Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Well, hey, good morning. My name's Daniel. If I haven't met you, um, man, what a great time of, of worship um, this morning. As we get into today, some of you may be aware, some of you may not, but I, I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, every Sunday before service, we actually have pre-service prayer. Um, and it's in that room right back there. Pastor Mike, do you want to just raise your hand? Right there, yeah, 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 back there, through those doors in the music room. If you're not sure where that's at. Why I mention that is this morning as we were just praying, there was such a, just such a sweet sense of the Holy Spirit. An expectation stirring in my heart. And so I'd love to share that to hopefully stir your faith that God desires and is ready to speak to you today. Not because of anything that I can say, but because he desperately loves you and his word is so good and so true. Um, So we're going to jump in. We've been in the middle of our series. Again, last week, Pastor Craig kicked off our series on prayer, which also kicked off 28 days of our prayer devotionals. If you're like me and maybe you missed the first two days and you're like, oh, I missed it. I can't jump in now. It's too late. You totally can. I want to let you know, we have paper books. Again, if you're like me, and if you're anything digital, you're going to get distracted. I love my paper Bible. I love being able to write on stuff. They have some of those in the back. If you're techie, unlike me, you'd like to get on, you can sign up at horizonfam.ca. Even if you're jumping in, I would encourage you to. Um, It's been a great week as we expounded upon in our devotionals what Pastor Craig hit on last week. And if you missed it last week, uh, some of today might be a little bit of a question mark for you. So go back, listen to it, because we're going to build on what was last week. But some of the main things that Pastor Craig laid as a foundation for this series is that we serve a God who speaks. That is a reality. And there's also a pairing reality, as we see in John 10, 10, that there is also an enemy Well, God speaks, there's an enemy who steals. That this is the reality that we live in. Whether we like it or not, this is the tension. And and Pastor Craig talked about how the primary way that we learn to understand and decipher and discern what God's voice sounds like is his word. The Bible, the logos, the, the written word. It is the foundation for our lives. It's how we lead and guide. But there are things that the Bible doesn't necessarily directly speak to. The Bible never told me to marry Katie, right? It wasn't in there. I looked for 22 years. I looked and searched the scripture. It didn't tell me that. The Bible didn't tell Katie and I in 2015 to move to Canada, which is seven years this week, actually, which thank the Lord for that that we're not in the States and that we're here in Jesus' name. The Lord, there is no scripture verse for that. Pastor Craig said there's what's called the rhema word or the fact that God still speaks today. He showed, shared some beautiful examples in the Old Testament and the New Testament where we see this directional and how God changes. He's invested in the details. So last week we established that God speaks and that we need to hear him. Again, because there's a God who speaks, but there's also an enemy who steals. But today, if you want to turn to Mark chapter 4, we're going to kind of, that'll be our base springboard today, scripture. We're going to look at if God desires to speak to us and we need to hear him, I want to look at some of, we're going to call it the weeds that can get in the way of us or hinder us, or as we'll see in a second, will actually choke 
the words of God and prove them to be unfruitful or cause them to be unfruitful in our lives that can get in the way. Because we serve a God who speaks, that we desperately need to hear what he has to say. But if you follow Jesus for 30 seconds or more, you'll know that there's things in our world and in our life that make it difficult to hear that voice. If you're taking notes, if you're weeds in the garden, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you that you speak today. Lord, I thank you that fatalism wasn't part of your plan, that you just wound this thing up like a top and let it take its course. You could have decided to be a God who didn't care to be invested and involved in the details of our lives, yet you did decide that. You did decide to be involved in the details. So God, I pray that today, Lord, there would be some moments of shifting and adjusting and convicting of what we believe to be true in your word about you and our interactions with you and the practices of our life. God, that they would align together and underneath your word and underneath your authority. We love you, Jesus. We pray you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The passage we're gonna look at is pretty familiar. We're not gonna get into all of it, but Jesus is with a crowd and he begins to tell a parable. And parables, Jesus used these a lot. He used things that were familiar in culture to communicate kingdom truths that people might have misunderstood. And so he begins to tell a story of a farmer throwing seed in the harvest. And there's a one seed that falls in the path and birds eat it. And there's a second seed that lands among rocks and it springs up, but it gets hot. And then it dries out and it dies. And there's a third seed that lands among weeds that we're going to look at today and It kind of grows up with the weeds and it grows. There's foliage, there's greenery, but there's no fruit because the weeds choke it out from being fruitful. And then we look at the fourth soil, which is the goal of our lives and the the story of the kingdom of God, that the seed would bring forth good fruit. And I love, he says that to the crowds, but for those who are willing, this is important, those who are interested, willing to lean in and say, God, explain that to me. Or put it today in this way, Lord, I need to know what that means for me tomorrow. It's one thing to know it. Like last week, okay, God speaks, that's great. But what about those, okay, God, if you speak, I need to know how you're gonna speak to me tomorrow. This needs to be more than a good idea. This needs to change how I live. And the group of disciples leaned in and said, God, would you explain this to us, Jesus? And he's gracious and he does to them, not the crowds. In Mark chapter four, verse 14 to 20, we'll read on the screen. Says the sower sows the word. And the sower being Jesus, that word there, if we look at it, this is the logos in the Greek. So this is talking about the written word of God, the Bible that we have, the, the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word was sown. When they hear Satan, we see now that it's not just a bird, that Jesus mentioned a bird and a seed because he was trying to communicate a spiritual truth about a real enemy that steals. So we said last week, Satan immediately came to take away, to steal the word, to rob, to lie. This is what Satan's been doing since Genesis 2. He takes what Jesus has planted and he lies and he skews and he manipulates to try and prove it unfruitful. He says he takes away the word that was sown in them. 
says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they heard the word, immediately received it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation, persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. It says, and others are the ones sown among thorns or among the weeds. These are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and what it can offer us, and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, proving it unfruitful. Verse 20, but those that were sown in good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This is one of my favorite passages, and if you've been here for a while, you've heard me preach on some of this before. I think it's always interesting. The only difference between the third and the fourth soil is the fruit that their life produces. I'm always convicted how often in my life I think I'm growing, but am I producing kingdom fruit is a question I must ask myself. I desire to follow Jesus. See, well, this passage specifically talks about the written word. Like Jesus told an illustration, a parable, to communicate a spiritual truth. We can take those same principles to look at the rhema word, the spoken word, what Holy Spirit would say to you today. And again, if you're not sure what that is, grab the devotional. There's a week of devotionals that explain this for you. We're not going to get into that here. If you have questions, grab a devotional, read it, then we can talk later. But the rhema word that goes out, how we can do it, because there's a word that Jesus desires to speak, and there is still an enemy that desires to confuse, to steal, whether he can steal the word away from you, whether he can put trials on you to make you doubt the word, or whether he can just choke out the word so that it's not fruitful in your lives. When it comes to our prayer life, we have a God who speaks, but there is a real enemy who still desires to steal. And one of the ways he can do that is by planting weeds or thorns in our lives. So today we're going to look at five weeds that can choke God's voice. And before we get in there, you'll see this next week in our devotional, it goes through 15. What I'm about to do is by no means exhaustive, nor is the devotional. There's lots of things. But over a decade of trying to learn to discern and decipher God's voice for myself, working with students and adults. How do we learn to read the word and what is God saying to me? As I begin to pray, these are five weeds that I found in my heart and in my life. And I tend to find come up again and again in those that I get to walk with, those that I get to do life with. And so I would submit these to you today. And as we go through them, if you have something in your mind, this is something that I just trying to help you out as I help myself out. If there's something in you that says, oh no, I'm good with that one. Would you suspend that judgment to listen a little longer? If you're not sure about that, find anyone who's followed Jesus for a decade or longer and has stories of that. They'll tell you that the longer you follow Jesus, the more you realize you need him, not less. But number one, I guess a few things about weeds that can kind of help us. That Again, I'm by, by no means a gardener. I remember when we had an apple tree, there was a garden around there as a kid in our house back in Courtney. My mom said, you can go play, you get your allowance once the garden's weeded. And I had a, a brilliant thought. I said, well, if I get the shovel and I go this deep underground, I just take it and flip it and I do that again and again and again, it'll look like the whole top is completely weeded. My mom won't know any different and then I can go play hockey. 
Uh, as anyone who's been in the garden, you realize that does not work. So here's a couple of things I've learned about weeds. The only thing that grows without effort or intention in a garden is what? Weeds. The only thing in your heart that will grow without intention, without effort, without looking over it, are the weeds that the enemy will plant there to try and choke out the word of God. Fruit takes attention and intention to develop. And for those who have followed Jesus 10, 20 years, there might have been a time where you thought, man, I, uh, my garden was beautiful, I'm set. For those of you who've had a garden, you know if you garden one year, doesn't mean you don't have to get out and continue to pull weeds the next year. The illustration that Jesus gives, there's, there's lessons in nature that he created and set up in a way that can speak to us as we look at weeds. And to pull weeds, those are, you can't just quickly grab off the top the easy things, great, we're done. You need to see what's on the surface, the things that you notice, and dig and take some effort to find what is the root in this situation. See, some of us, as we'll look at, are afraid to hear God speak, but there might be multiple different roots as to why you're afraid to hear God speak. We need to invite the Holy Spirit to show us, to navigate. The Bible says of itself that it is, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It helps us discern and decipher the intentions for having good intentions, the area of our heart. So when it comes to weeds, when it comes to your prayer life, the only thing in your prayer life that will grow without effort, just normally, is weeds, not fruit. And when it comes to uprooting the things that are choking out God's voice, that are silencing his voice to you and to I, it's going to take some time and effort to ask the Holy Spirit to show us where's the root so that we can fully pull it. Okay? Like, we all good? All right. We'll go through this. It's going to be quick. And if you're taking notes, this is a skim. Each one of these could be a message. Any of you have heard me preach before, you're... you're you're skeptical, and I get that. It's okay. All right. Weed number one is unbelief. Again, this week covered this quite a bit, but there's a couple things that in talking to people, all right, I, I don't know many people that are desiring to hear God speak, be like, oh, I want to hear him speak, but just God doesn't speak anymore. I don't know many people that actually have a theology that believes that God doesn't speak, but they have an orthopraxy, that is to say, the example and how they live their life would say that they don't believe that God speaks. We see the different things here. An unbelief that God can't, does speak today. If they believe that God speaks, they have a, maybe an unbelief or a misbelief on that he would actually want to speak to me. We get this idea that God wants to speak to other people, but not to me. And then he only cares about the big things. And John 10 actually deals with all of this beautifully. We'll throw up there John chapter 10, verses 4. It says, when he had brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. See, Jesus made it clear that how he leads his sheep is by his voice through his written word and through his spoken rhema word. Jesus said of himself, again, he's given you a parable an earthly illustration to communicate heavenly truth. And he says, I am the good shepherd. My people are my sheep. And how I choose to lead them is not through road signs, is not through hired out help, is not through go this way until you die. It is through a voice that is close and a voice that is consistent. You need to understand today that you serve a Jesus if you follow him 
that has decided in himself to speak to you. It also doesn't say that the good shepherd only speaks to the star sheeple. That's a play on word for like pupil, sheeple, sheep, sheeple. I also mean it probably has some negative, I also understand may have some negative connotations, but I digress. It doesn't say that God just speaks to the pastors. Jesus did away with that Old Testament function where he was kind of around a bit, but really there were some, just a few people that would meet with God, whether it was the prophets, whether it was the kings, and, and then they would kind of deliver the message that Jesus went from God around us with Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, and now through the Holy Spirit, it is God in us. When you follow Jesus, you need to understand your birthright as being born again is that the spirit of God lives in you and desires to whisper the secrets of heaven, the wisdom of heaven, the direction of heaven in you. Your birthright is to hear your father speaking to you. When we believe it doesn't, it's a huge weed that begins to choke out that voice because we have next to no expectation. And some would believe that God does speak, but there may be some confusion as to what God wants to speak about. And I love that John 10 says that. It says those who follow him. That kind of does away with the fatalism idea that just be good and God's going to do what he does. I'm going to do what I does. No, follow speaks like close. There's sudden turns. There's changes. There's direction. But we're called to follow him by his voice, and it says, because they know his voice. I love this word, know this, gnosk in the Greek. It speaks to experience, not just information. This week, I began to repent as I realized that I know far more than I obey still about the word of God. I know, but do I know? And a weed that'll choke it out is when you allow information to just stay as information and not transform you into transformation. Jesus desires that of you. I think sometimes we don't think Jesus desires to speak about day-to-day details of our lives because we actually don't expect or don't want a relationship with him. And again, none of us would probably say, I follow Jesus, but I don't want a relationship with him. If you were to take a, 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 a close account of your prayer life over the last month, what would your prayer life say about your relationship with Jesus and what you expect? I don't want that audit, personally. That audit convicts me. Because what my prayer life says about what I believe about Jesus is very different than what my mouth would say about what I believe about Jesus. There's weeds, there's things in us that are a little bit more intricate than just, yeah, God wants to speak to me. Does my life say that I actually believe that? What we pray reveals what we believe about prayer. If you only pray when you're in trouble, you believe that God is only interested in the big details. If you only pray for salvation, that he'd be there and keep you from sin and those things, you actually don't believe that God cares about the details of your life. You might believe it, but what you actually live out would say something a little different. See, looking through the life of Jesus, we see that the purpose of his prayers actually seem to be more about relationship with the Father than results from the Father. How do I know this? You look all through Jesus. I was talking with Caleb this week at Donuts and Devos on Friday with our youth. Reading through the scripture where it says Jesus, he does this incredible work in Capernaum, but then after the ministry, after the breakthrough, after the healings, he says he got away to a desolate place to pray. 
If that's us, we have a prayer meeting before so that God will do things. We see that in the patterns of Jesus' life, it wasn't just about production, it was about relationship. How often, if I were to take account of my prayers, is it about relating to him or is it about asking for things? Weeds in our life, unbelief or misbelief about what prayer is meant to be. And some of us in unbelief, we actually just don't know how. I'm not going to belabor this point, but you got to sign up for hearing God when it's offered next or the devotionals. It gives us tools and it walks through how can we learn to hear God's voice. Secondly, first unbelief, second is sin. No amens on that one. I didn't expect any. We see that sin actually corrupts our ability to hear God speak. We see this in all of the, the sin of humanity and what the Bible calls a corrupt sinful nature in Genesis 2 where Adam and Eve are close to God. They spoke, they walked together in the garden. Sin comes in and it fractures. And the result of sin in that moment was not just guilt, I did wrong. It was shame, I am wrong. Adam and Eve saw themselves differently, saw themselves as unacceptable, saw themselves as naked. Shame came in and began to distort how they, not only how they saw themselves, but because they saw themselves shamefully, they created distance. They went and hid, and distance distorts. They begin to question God's motives, what they knew about. They were never afraid of God. If you stop for a second, I hide from my mom as a kid because I fear getting a butt whooping, right? We feared consequences. Adam and Eve had never yet feared or experienced consequences, It wasn't the fear of getting in trouble that scared them. It was shame that drove them. And sin will cause shame in us and separate us. But the beauty of Jesus and the cross is that he reconciled that. He paid that price so that shame doesn't have to have the final word. In Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, Paul begins to speak about this. He goes, listen, you were once dead. In your trust, you were separate from God. The evil desires in you led you, and the enemy was having his heyday with you. But when you came to Christ, it says, you are now alive in heavenly places. You are born again. Again, Jesus talks about this. No, you don't enter your mother's womb again to be born, but your spirit that was dead on the account of sin is now reborn and brought back to life. The part of you that hears God speak, the part of you that relates to God, the part of you that is alive in heavenly realms and heavenly places, not one day, but right now, and has access to all of the blessings in heaven, Paul says. He says, we now exist in two realms, the physical realm and the spiritual realm. But the problem with sin is it teaches us and trains our ears to hear the enemy's voice. We need to learn again how to hear God's voice. Can I Sometimes I work with students and they try, like, it's just too hard. I said, yeah, you got 14 years of learning the enemy's voice. Give it some time to learn to hear God's. Because you were dead, but now you're alive. And you need to learn to discern the same way in the natural. We learn languages as we get older. The Holy Spirit invites us to learn the language of the Spirit that speaks, that encourages, that directs, that corrects, that convicts. That's going to take some time. There's no shortcut in gardening. There's no shortcut when it comes to learning to discern what his voice sounds like. But can I tell you, the fruit is so sweet when you're willing to wait, to put in the time to learn what his voice sounds like. So there's the sin nature, and then there's this other area of unrepented sin or habitual sin. 
You know, I always think of the story of Jonah. Could you imagine if Jonah says, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh? He's like, nope, goes the other way. And then while he's sitting there on the boat, he goes, hey, God, I, sorry about that Nineveh thing. I know, but I, Lord, uh, I, I don't want to do that. But God, what else do you got for me today, Lord? Here I am, Lord. Have your way. Have your way, God. Whatever you want to say, Nineveh. No, 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 not that. But, well, Lord, have your way. You kidding me? That's why the whale came. Because you're not going to get it. I'll help you get it. But I think sometimes in our heart, God will convict us of something we're unwilling to deal with. And we say, nope, we close the door, and we want to keep going, and we're shocked, or maybe we're not even shocked, when his voice gets quieter or harder to discern when there's unconfessed sin in our hearts. You need to understand that sin will separate you from God. And his voice, his love for you is consistent. His character doesn't change, but your experience with him, when you allow weeds to coexist with the word of God, it begins to choke it out. Weeds on the surface take up sunlight and space, but in the ground, the problem with weeds is their, their roots go down quicker and deeper into the soil where there is a life spring that is meant to give the energy and the nutrients needed when the surface level circumstances are not conducive to growth. The seed would find its way, this life spring underneath that would produce what it needs to do what it's called to do. And you wonder when you go through trials, when we wither because there's weeds in our life that are stealing that wellspring that's meant to sustain us in the winter seasons. Unconfessed sin, unforgiveness. Jesus made it pretty clear. You want to be forgiven, forgive. If you don't, he won't. Ball's in your court. Bitterness chokes out the life that God has for us. The story of Israel... (laughs) God is gracious, but there comes a point where justice then comes. They go into captivity. He stops speaking for 400 years. I was talking with my dad this week, yesterday, actually, to make sure he was okay. And I shared this when I was in about grade four, uh, four or five. I can't remember the exact year. I remember um, life in my family wasn't great. Up until that point, life wasn't really great. There was a lot of fights in my home, a lot of dodging dishes at the dinner table, and thought that was normal. Then there was a really big fight. And dad went out to live, moved out to live with grandma and grandpa. I realized this wasn't normal. Later on, years when it was appropriate, I found out that my parents' marriage was in a rough spot to begin with. My mom was at the point where she was praying, asking that my dad would have an affair so that she would have an excuse to leave him. Marriage just wasn't great. Two broken people. And my dad ended up having an affair with a close friend of my mom's. And as God began to work, as he will, he won't leave it alone. There came a point where he went to our pastor, lead pastor, Pastor Scott. He had a conversation. He confessed this to Pastor Scott. He said this. He prayed for me. He goes, Scott, do I have to tell Carla? And words that have shaped our family and many other families as I've shared this, Pastor Scott, he said, Dave, you don't have to, but if you ever want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you need to, and you need to deal with this. My dad began to weep. He said, okay, it's worth it. I can't continue to stay where I'm at. I need Jesus more. And the beauty of God's grace is God healed my parents' marriage and counseling. And, and I can, there's a, la- a line in the sand that I look back in my life where I think there's two separate marriages my parents had. 
pre that coming out and post my dad and my mom getting counseling and healing. There's tons of marriages. I think there's about 15, 16 now that we're in the same situation that God brought back and brought healing and restoration. But what happened, I remember this more than that, is from that line in the sand, I remember my dad pressing into reading his word. I remember my dad being on the, the, eventually on the prophetic team. I remember my dad getting a word of knowledge to pray for people to get healed and stepping out and praying for that. There was a closeness that I could visually, I could see in my dad's life with him and the Lord because there was no longer the weed of unrepented sin in his life. Can I tell you today, if you're struggling with something, you can trust Jesus. Number three is fear. The third we, I, I see a lot of people who really desire to hear Jesus speak to them is simply fear. It's a, it's a long-held tactic that the enemy has been playing with. And he doesn't need to get anything different. I get to work with a lot of students and adults learning to read their Bible, how to hear God speak and journaling. Here's some of the common things that I hear. And maybe you said this today. How do I know if they're my thoughts or God's thoughts? And we're afraid we're going to get it wrong, so we stop. Been there? This happened to me recently. This October, we were heading up to go hunting, and it was a Tuesday night prayer. We're sitting there, and I felt like God gave me uh, this picture that we were going to be at Boston Pizza, that there was a certain lady. She was struggling with this, that actually her husband was struggling with liver cancer, and I was supposed to ask if the lady's name was this. I was supposed to ask this and all these different things. So I was like, God, this is nuts. And as I was writing all this down, I'm like, Lord, this has got to be me. Like, this, can't, this has just got to be my own thoughts. This is crazy. But I said, God, I'm going to take a step. So I wrote it down. And I'd love to say there was a victorious ending to that story. But as it went, I forgot when we went to Boston Pizza. I remember about two hours out of Fort St. John. It hit me. I completely forgot. I've been praying about this for two weeks. I got distracted. We're going to get into that weed. And again, that's not a victory story. My joy, my, my, the hope of today is not to say, hey, look at me and all the great things I'm doing. I'm saying, man, I struggle with this daily. And the regret and the hurt. And I, and I remember saying, God, would you forgive me? But there was a point where I had to decide, oh, is this my voice or is it, God, is it your voice? And when it comes to fear, 1 John 4.18 gives us a promise. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Fear has nothing to do, or for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I think sometimes we don't want to listen and take action is we're afraid that we'll get it wrong and the punishment in our minds that will come with that. You need to understand Jesus loves you. He's not looking to smack you upside the head. What if I don't hear anything? Common thing. And it's not so much that they're afraid of hearing nothing, it's the implications of that. Does that mean I can't hear? Does that mean God doesn't want to speak to me? Is there something wrong with me? Because everyone else seems to hear God's voice so clearly. We judge everyone else's outsides by our insides. Everyone else's victories by our failures. And we convince ourselves, I tried once, and I don't want to go through the awkward pain of possibly being rejected by God. I've had it enough in my life everywhere else. I can't have it with Jesus, so I'll just live a good moral life according to his written word, but I'm not able to discern his rhema words. couple helpful tips if this is you. And again, our devotionals walks through a lot of this, so please sign up for that. Take time to listen for the rhema words with Jesus. It doesn't happen right away. It takes time. 
Number two, if nothing is said specifically, if you're in a situation like, God, I need you to speak and you don't hear anything, your next step is, God, what does your word say about this? Right? Because that helps us discern what he would say. And if there's nothing specific about your situation, the word of God, go to godly people that can give you godly wisdom about that situation. Don't just stop it. Oh, I tried. He didn't say anything. I'm out. But we, this fear can keep us. Number four, and this is huge, busyness and hurry. I don't know if there's a bigger weed in our society today than this. Because busyness and hurry has become a cultural virtue. The hustle, it's celebrated, but it's detrimental to you to hear God's voice. And it'll rob you of fruitfulness. God did not call you to be busy running around with your head cut off. He called you to relationship, a burden that is easy and a burden that is light. See, learning this, why is this hard to uproot this? Because learning it takes time and attention. And hurried lives we leave next to no, leaves you next to no time for either of those. I love this one verse that in our devotions came up. Psalms chapter five, verses three. It says, O Lord, in the morning. And the Greek word there for morning is morning, by the way. <laughs> not afternoon, <laughs> not evening, not oh, for the evening, night owls. No, it's morning. <laughs> in the morning, you know my thoughts. Understand my heart's intentions. No, so you hear my voice. It's interesting that God says you'll follow me because you hear my voice. Not just what I know to be true, but what you see. No, I'm going to speak and you're going to hear it. And God is meant to hear your voice. It's not enough just to sit and think it. There's certain times when you need to speak it in your worship, in your prayer life. So God, in the morning, you're going to hear my voice. In the morning, I'm going to prepare. That takes time. This isn't off the cuff. It takes time. It takes scheduling it out, saying, no, no, this is important, so I'm going to prepare for this. And here's the word we love, a sacrifice. You know, cutting out one day a week to have a Sabbath might mean that you don't get the career you want. Is it worth it to you? Slowing your life down to eliminate hurry and busyness, to slow down at the pace of Sabbath might mean you need to get a smaller house. Are you okay with that? I'll move on. That didn't preach very well. In the morning, I'll prepare a sacrifice. And this hit me hard. And I'll watch. How long? Doesn't say. But watching, the fact that it says, I don't just prepare it and do it and thank you, you're going to receive that. It says, I wait and I watch. It says that there's something to be reciprocated. It's not just prayer offered, it's answers given. And I wait and I watch until there's answers given. Family, Jesus desires to speak things into you and to you. Are you willing to slow down your busy, hurried life enough to wait, to watch? Are you willing to reorder your life around the rhythms of Jesus in his life to prepare time every week, every day to wait, to listen? Worship team, you can come up. We see in 1 Samuel 13, Saul got this wrong. When he couldn't wait, tried to do himself. He goes, I'm pretty sure I know what God will want me to do in this situation. It's pressing. Because it's easy to wait when there's nothing going on. Amen? But it's when you need to make a decision. When the pressure's on, are we still able to wait? He didn't wait and he lost the kingdom. 
We see in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, the story of the rich young ruler. He was unwilling to sacrifice the things, unwilling to pay the cost to follow Jesus. And sometimes I hear it all the time. And hear me, this, my, my hope is not to bring shame. This has been a journey I've been on for the last four years. If I'm too busy to Sabbath, I'm too busy to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm not saying that scripture. I'm saying this is something the Lord's been working in my heart. Am I willing to sacrifice what it takes to be able to walk in that? See, we value the life we're building or trying to maintain more than a relationship with Jesus that he wants to build with us. Because when push comes to shove, we're unwilling to sacrifice the treasure that we're building to follow Jesus. The life that you want, the house that you want, the schedule that you want, the accolades that you might desire, the hunting trips that I want, the quad that I want, the new fishing gear that I want, whatever it is. See, the litmus test shows you what you value not based practiced or professed, but what's actually practiced is this. If you want to know what you value in your life, value can be measured by where you spend your time, your money, and what you give your thoughts and your attention to. If there's one thing you want to process with the Lord, write that out. Value my relationship with Jesus. Hour and a half, two hours of Daniel's preaching a week. What do we value? See, because relationship's key. If I clocked in and met with Katie two hours a week and that was it, I would no longer be able to clock in with Katie because she'd be gone. My life is busy, but it's not too busy for Katie and Zoe because I value them. And maybe it's because God isn't here in the flesh with us that it can be hard, but if you were to evaluate your life, is it professed or is it practiced? You're following a relationship with Jesus. See, the hurried heart will only come to Jesus when we need something from him, that which we can't actually get for ourselves. And in that reveals that we only come to Jesus for things, not for relationship. I know none of you, I'm just speaking to myself. Two books that I can um, recommend that have really shaped my life, you've heard me talk about before, is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry or Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. There's one book that you read, two I'd suggest this year. Grab those. Allow it to shift and shape you. And there was one point on disappointment, but we're not going to get to that. It was a good one, but we're going to get into our next steps. So what? So what now? Great, Daniel. You've identified that my heart has weeds. Thank you. <laughs> Be blessed. <laughs> a couple things I think would help. And hear me, this isn't a silver bullet. I was meeting with a young man. Um, I didn't ask his permission, so I won't know his name, but he's in my grade eight small group, grade seven, eight small group. Saying, Daniel, I, I really need to learn to hear God. I don't know how to read my Bible. I'm not sure how to hear God speak. I felt like the Lord, this thought that I never really thought of said, ask him if he's willing to give the rest of his life to learn how to hear me speak. Because sometimes we like to say, do this, 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 and you'll be blessed and good. And I think the problem that can happen is sometimes we start to journal out and the first time we do it, it's great. The 50th time we do it, not so great. And then we leave it. Because we're broken, because we're human, because we're results oriented, like all of these things. Can I encourage you, give the rest of your life 
to learning to discern God's voice and how to continually weed the things out of your heart that are trying to silence or choke out the fruitfulness that God desires for you. Here's a couple steps to grow, to, to jump into. Commit to grow. What I just said, it's a process. Are you willing to work the process? Are you willing to fail? Are you willing to in perfect love? There's no judgment or fear, but God, I need to learn to hear your voice. When it comes to trying new things, there's three stages. At first, it feels forced. After a while, it feels fake. And that's normally one of those two where we stop. And if I could be honest, most likely men, this is where we stop because it doesn't seem masculine. It seems weird. We don't wanna feel awkward. We don't wanna look silly. We care way more about what people think about us than the God who created us. It feels forced first, it feels fake second, but all of a sudden it becomes fruitful when it becomes part of the habits and the routines of your life. How many times do you hear people say, I'm not a journaler, me either, but I've tasted the fruit of journaling, so I learned to build it to be a part of my life. It's that important to me. Can I encourage you to do the same? Number two is join us this week in devotionals. I've said it enough times. Grab it as you head out, do it, do something. And I'll be honest, some of it you're reading like, ah, this is just kind of a little bit gimmicky, some of them. Say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Go a little deeper. Understand there's more beneath the surface that the Holy Spirit might be wanting to say to you. And number three is find someone to grow with. We're not meant to do this alone. Jesus calls us sheep because there's plenty of them in a group walking together. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.